This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Hello, Second Winders. Meet April Ross, a daughter, a twin sister, a mother of two, and recently divorced. April is a woman who has had many pivotal moments in her life that have cumulatively brought her into her second wind. This is a story that is still emerging, and April is actually about to release her own book, her story, and it's entitled Bravely Becoming. Love that. And the last time we spoke, she was still thinking about the title, and I'm so glad you chose that one. That was one of your ideas. And April's life's lessons have brought her to where she is now. She's seen it all unfold and that she really is bravely becoming who and what she wants to be. And I know there is something in this episode that will resonate with every single person listening. There's something for everyone here. We can all relate. So welcome April to Second Wind to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. And I think I came across to you by chance, but that's kind of the way the universe works sometimes brings you to the right person at the right time. It's crazy. It really is. And I'm, I just keep saying, yeah, the universe is just kind of doing its thing. And I'm just sitting around waiting, <laughs> waiting for the next thing to happen. It's it. I mean, not sitting around, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's all good because you do have to take action on intuition and you actually felt a lot of intuition in your story. So let's, let's start with that moment, the most recent, the thing that has really defined your life now, what you would call your second wind. My second wind began two years ago uh, in 2019 with this encounter that I had with another soul who awoke something inside of me that I had never felt before and started this journey back to myself. Okay. And what, what did that, what did that, how did that look? It was one of those encounters that maybe you read about in books or maybe it's portrayed in a movie and I never thought it was real or existed. I had never met someone that had that effect on me, but it was from the moment we sat down in front of each other and locked eyes, there was this magnetic electric connection and I could internally feel something igniting. And um, from there, I think just this cord that has stayed between us has caused me to go deeper within myself and work through some things within myself to get me to where I am today. I mean, it almost sounds like uh, when this gentleman came along, um, 
it sort of, it stirred up stuff that had been sleeping almost, would you say? Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, that happened to me at other points in my life too, with the moment that I first had this experience with Spanish and the moment that I realized what my calling was in life. So there were other moments like that too in my life. But when you feel that, I think that's happening to you for a reason that you're supposed to listen to that. What What's stirring inside of you? And there's a reason that you're being called towards that thing or that person or that um, job that is, is um, speaking to you in that way. And tell us a little bit how how that changed your life. You had said to me that it it, it kind of caused this implosion. Yes. Everything unraveled. It, it did. And in my book, I call it a beautiful and disturbing hurricane because that's what it was. Came in and upheaved everything and there was swirling and unraveling and at the same time, there were beautiful things happening um, within me that needed to happen for me to heal and discover who I was and remember who I was and to um, move forward towards the the life I really desired to live. And so I think it all happened very purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like perhaps this person was put in your path on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So it uh, awakened a lot of things you said in you, including having to dive deep. Yeah. And yeah, let's go there because your childhood wasn't your average every day, you know, get on the school bus, go to school, come home, have cookies and milk, do your homework, go to bed, you know, go to friends' houses on the weekends, you know, <laughs> play soccer. It wasn't any of that. You want no. to share? I, there were some normal pieces of my childhood, but this encounter um, sort of caused me to face some of those things I didn't realize were having an effect on my relationships, my behaviors, my choices. And I realized as I started to dig, even though it was really uncomfortable and it didn't feel very good to dig into my past. I started to understand, oh, this is why I feel this way, or this is why I've made these choices, or this is why I, I act the way that I do. And and so, yeah, for my childhood, um, there were some difficult things that I thought were normal that I never knew were affecting me in my adulthood the way they were. And one of those was having an absent father and being raised by a a single mom with mental illness and her mental illness um, was not by her choice. She couldn't control it. It was, um, you know, partially created by her own childhood trauma and in other situations and chemical imbalance. But from there, I think um, there were things that happened in my childhood that just caused me to grow up quicker than a normal child and, and probably develop certain, um, attachment styles and personality characteristics because of the way I was trying to survive. Yeah. You had to go, you kind of bounced around a little bit to your grandparents. Thank goodness for your grandparents. 
And, you know, your mother was a very loving person and very uh, giving. She was very charitable, even though you all didn't have a lot of money. And she also had a great love of animals and, and, and art and things like that. So there were some really good things that you got from that relationship with your mother that you and your sister got from your mother. But then when she did have her episodes, you all would have, she'd go, she'd go off to get treatment and you all would have to go live with your grandparents. And that happened a few times while you were growing up. Right. Yeah. I give my mom all the credit in the world because being a single mom is hard enough in itself with twin daughters, but then the additional challenge of having mental illness where she's trying to take care of herself and it's difficult for her to uh, respond in healthy ways to stress or life challenges. And so she would have an episode and our whole world would be turned upside down. And um, my sister and I often played more of an adult role where we had to take care of her or take care of ourselves or, or things around the house that normally you know, 10 year olds wouldn't have to worry about. Right. You said at 13, you started really kind of taking care of your sister too. And, and you feel like you had to grow up at 13. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of adult things thrown at us. Um, and my dad wasn't there to support us. So it was, it was hard, but I, we were very blessed to have my grandparents. They were always there for us and lived just a few miles from us and, and took us in whenever something happened with our mom. So we were so fortunate because they stood in her place many, many times. Yeah. You're so lucky. And also what you, how you handled it was a little bit different than your sister. So you did well in school, excelled and your sister, you know, was more of the, Hey, rebel, <laughs> let's go have fun kind of thing. And you ended up having to like rein her in a little bit too. Yeah, she did well in school. We both we both excelled in school, and I think that came from our desire to not um, I wouldn't say end up, but struggle the way that my mom struggled financially. So we wanted to make sure that we were both successful in our careers. But she was just always more of a risk taker than I was, and that led to some risky behaviors when she was a teenager. And so, yeah, so I, I would have to try to, I guess, uh, look after her and, and be there for her as well in a, in a motherly role. So you're a young caregiver. So then you were able to get yourself to college. Right. Yeah. And, and both of us, we were the first ones um, to go to college. Uh, my dad had gone to college, but we didn't grow up with him. So my mom, had never been to college. And so it was, um, it was a, it was a huge opportunity for us to change the course of our lives. And we worked hard to get scholarships and pay our way through school. And, um, that was there where I fell in love with the Spanish language and culture. And, and that's where my desire to work with that population was born. Yeah, that was like your first pivotal moment, right? That was Spanish 401 was your, oh, wow. Some, you said something about that professor and everything about the language. Explain that. It just changed your life. It was another one of those moments where I walked into the first day of my Spanish class and this 
feisty, fiery Spanish senorita walked in the door and started speaking Spanish. And I had no idea what she was saying, but I was just staring at her and just captivated by everything she said. And um, I felt something inside me. So it was like the universe was saying, watch this. You're going to love this. This is exactly what's meant for you. And as um, I got into the class more and more, I just felt that this is, I don't know what I will do with this language, but this is what I love. I love this. And this speaks to me. And um, I changed my major and, and decided to continue studying and traveling to learn the language. So it was very pivotal for me to sit in that classroom and, and be uh, witness to that experience of learning a language. And then you and your longtime high school boyfriend, he decided he wanted to get hitched. Mm -hmm. And your, that would be your second moment. Yeah. Yeah. So we dated all through college, um, met when we were really young and um, we were high school sweethearts. So we were the last ones of all of our friends to get engaged. We were together for seven years and we were best friends. We did everything together and had a ton of fun together. But um, when the moment came where he was going to propose to me, we were sort of in this flux where some things had happened that made me unsure of whether or not this was the path I wanted to choose, staying with him and settling down and having a family, or if I wanted to take another path that would lead me to travel and be more adventurous and follow my dreams of, of living in another country and being more independent. And so when he asked me to marry him, there was this hesitation. And I actually said, maybe, which mm. <laughs> not very many women do, you know, the That's girl tough. that age are all waiting for the proposal, but I, yeah. something in me was telling me, Oh, I don't know. This is just not quite right. But I gave it a few days to think it over and ended up saying yes. And the rest is history. And we, yeah. Why April? Why do you think, I mean, from the outside looking it in, it looks like you said yes, because it was security and safety and all that predictability that you never really had growing up. You think that was something that was appealing to you that kind of squashed your, your gut, your intuition? Definitely. Definitely. I could feel this internal battle, but when it came to make the decision, I think I wanted that safety and security and he was my best friend too. So I couldn't imagine not having him in my life after we had already been together for seven years. So I wouldn't say I settled, but I chose the safer path. Right. Right. Okay. Take us through that. Take us through. So you got married, got married, went to college. I call the next decade, the lost decade, because it's like every mom or every parent where you're just doing and you're running and you're taking care of your kids and you forget about yourself. And the time passes so quickly. You don't know what happened until it led to this encounter where I, I realized, wow, I have just spent the last, you know, 15 years, more than that in a job I didn't love 
hustling through life, not really aware of what I was doing or what was driving my behavior, giving all of my time and energy away to everyone else except for myself and not listening to what was happening inside of me. When I would feel this angst or unhappiness, I wasn't listening to that. And so it was just going through the motions, which I think a lot of women do, or a lot of parents do. Oh my gosh, a lot. I would say every woman has, has, can relate to that feeling of what just happened? Where, who am I? Where, where am I? How did I get spit out on the other end of this like this? Not that that's a bad thing, but yeah, you're just left it like, yeah, the, the, the 10 years of that just disappeared. I mean, you raised your children, did the best you could, you did all these things, but things don't actually equate to who we are. You know, staying busy is great. Taking, shuffling kids around, you know, I got caught in that for years and then just going from thing to thing and you never stop and, and figure out who's actually driving the bus within you. Mm -hmm. So interesting. So you woke up from this at, at some point, what, what caused you to, was it the encounter or do you think it would have been something else? Yeah. Before this encounter that I had, I was feeling a lot of, um, internal angst about my job. And I took a job out of graduate school as a teacher because it was the only job at the time where I could still use my education and be able to speak Spanish and and work with the culture and, and do what I loved. But it wasn't really what I went to school for. It wasn't my calling. And I took the job thinking, oh, I'll do this for a couple of years and until um, I find something else. My summers were free to be with my kids. So it worked out well. I, I had a good schedule, but it, it was driven or it enhanced my perfectionism where it was, it was unhealthy to me because I always felt like there was more I could do as a teacher. Mm, mm-hmm. Make this lesson even better. I could do this fun activity for my students. And it just was never ending. And so I got to the point where I was just really burned out with the career and the time that I spent at home working at it. And, and so that's really what part of what started my second wind as I decided after 15 years of teaching, it is time. Two years became 15 years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It just kind of, you just kind of went with it. It was easy. It was easy to do, but you kept pouring your heart and soul into it. Yep. And at some point, uh, close to 15 years, I just decided, I don't know what else there is out there for me, but this is not it. This is not what I was called to do and it's not fulfilling me and it's time to make a change. And so I had applied for this other position within the school district that I thought seemed perfect for me that I knew I would succeed at. There were people encouraging me to do it. And I ended up not getting that job. Um, They gave it to somebody internally who I think they had planned to give it to all along. And when I was rejected in that way, when I knew I had done my best in the interview that I was highly qualified, that I would have been, um, you were perfect for the job. Let's just say what it was. You were perfect for the job. 
And you knew you crushed that interview. You knew you had the right answers. That job, you felt that it, it just fit you like a glove. Right. right? But um, I, I've learned that sometimes those roadblocks or detours are purposeful in that they're leading you to something else, sometimes something better. So I, after that interview, went in to talk to my principal and I said, I am done teaching. Uh, this is my official resignation. And I had the summer to find a new job. And so that's where I started really getting into um, journaling and scripting. And I, I did a vision board to kind of map out what I wanted the next five years of my life to look like. And one of them was my career. And I had always dreamed of working with immigrants. I had this epiphany on a mountaintop in Costa Rica when I was there that the people, the culture, their way of life, their faith, their sense of family and community. This is me. This is who I am. This is who I'm meant to do. And I knew it was time for me to get back to doing that type of work. So I didn't know what was out there. I just started sending my resume out. And lo and behold, one of the places I sent my resume to was a nonprofit that worked um, with immigrants. And so it just, it, it all came together and uh, they ended up meeting somebody. Okay. Now wait, now I'm going to stop you <laughs> because that is a really cool story in and of itself. And it has some of that little hint of something else working on your behalf. You have to tell that story, April. Sorry. Yeah. And it's, it is an amazing story. It is a, I felt like I was very divinely guided to this place and that I think the universe knew exactly where I was meant to be, but I didn't know. And so through that summer of visioning and scripting, I think I, I got clear on it. And um, when I got the call from this faith-based organization that they wait, were- Wait, 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 now you're missing. Okay, wait. So go back a little bit because you sent off some resumes. It wasn't just one place. You sent some resumes off. Right. And this particular resume ended up in a mailbox and unlooked at for right. quite some time. To the point where you had forgotten about it. And it's yeah. very interesting how it popped back up. <laughs> well, so the story goes that the um, women who work at this faith-based organization had been praying for the right person. And around the time that they were saying their prayers that a new person would come to fill the shoes of somebody, uh, their director that wanted to retire, my resume arrived at their door. And they said too, that they felt it was placed there very purposefully that it came as if someone or something were saying, this is your answer. This is the person that is supposed to be here. And so they, they called a, a, a couple weeks later and well they were on a retreat too mm -hmm. praying about this in like a circle formation you said 
And they're like, wow, our, our person is leaving us and we don't have any idea who can fill these shoes, difficult shoes to fill. And it wasn't until they got back and opened the mailbox and boom, boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was incredible. And I felt this stirring when I talked to um, the director when, when she called me because I knew from the moment I started talking to her, this is where I'm supposed to be. I could just feel it. And so I was learning to listen. I was, I think that's during that last decade, what I was missing. I was so busy and so distracted with daily life that I wasn't listening. I didn't have the space to listen or hear what was trying to come through to me. And when I quit my job and I just had that summer to listen and focus, that's when things started coming through. And it was not, um, six months later is when this encounter occurred after I had taken this job and started this new path. Okay. Bring us through that. So you go to work and how how was it feeling? Cause you felt like this was it. Was Mm -hmm. it? Well, it was a huge learning curve. It wasn't easy, that's for sure, because I was totally out of my element and learning everything for the first time, and it wasn't a career I had been in. So it it, it wasn't easy at first, um, but I was surrounded with a very supportive group of women who were mentors to me because it was a faith-based organization. They supported me and made me feel so welcomed and accepted. And so there was a lot of encouragement there. And so I worked through um, the learning process and that spring, that's where um, this encounter happened. And I think I did feel that this, even though it was difficult, this, this is meaningful work. This doesn't feel like work like teaching did because it was something I knew was having an impact on other people's lives. And it was connected to something that I had always wanted to do. That's so cool. So then you have this encounter and you decide perhaps it's time to move on from your marriage as well. Right. This encounter was accidental. uh, And I think I didn't respond in a healthy way because of where I was at in my life, I didn't realize how unhappy I was not only in my marriage, but with myself, I didn't realize how often I was abandoning myself to take care of other people or to please other people um, or some of the other tendencies I had to say yes, when I really meant no, and just giving my energy away, my time away and it was just draining me. And so when this encounter happened, I think it just brought to the surface everything that I needed to look at that I was ignoring. And that included things in my marriage that weren't healthy or weren't working. So, um, yeah, unfortunately I I got involved with this person. Um, it was a really quick involvement because then, um, he ended up moving away but it created a lot of conflict and pain and suffering in my marriage. And so we went through a year and a half of counseling to try to work through that. 
And there were things that we needed to address from long before that we just had ignored and let go. So in a way it was a blessing because I think we would have just kept going that way. I would have kept being unhappy. Uh, Our marriage would have just been mediocre. I would have felt always like something was missing until we were forced to look at it. So I think in a way it was a huge blessing in disguise because it gave us the chance to really work our best at healing and repairing. And we did, we tried, we tried the best we could, but it just, it didn't go back together the way we thought it would. And then you went your separate ways and then the pandemic came. Right. And that was a huge moment for you. And, and everyone, almost every single person that has been on second wind, it turns out that this pandemic worked in their favor in so many different ways. And it, it almost did that. I would say it did that for you too. Wouldn't you? Yeah. And it doesn't, it didn't feel like that at the time. It didn't feel like it was working at all for anybody because right. we were trapped in our houses and some people couldn't go to work and we were homeschooling our kids and it just felt, you know, like everybody, you had no control over what was happening and you couldn't do the things you normally did. But what the beauty of it was that it provided us this opportunity to go within and to slow down and to listen and to recognize some of the things that we were doing before that maybe weren't healthy or weren't serving us. Weren't serving us. Yeah. I was still married at the time. So we were still kind of working through things and, um, we all were at home like everybody else. And, um, that was the first time where I had enough space and quiet to hear my inner voice strongly. And so before this, while we were going through individual counseling and couples counseling, I did a ton of work with psychology, childhood wounds, mindset. I tried basically every form of therapy, um, hypnosis, EMDR, different healing. Oh, wow. I did everything. That's so cool. I listened to podcasts. I journaled. I did everything. And um, when the pandemic hit, there was another experience that bloomed. And that was the the spiritual growth. And so I, I think I had a lot of personal growth leading up to that and developing awareness of my patterns and behaviors. But when the pandemic was there and I just had that space to breathe and listen, uh, there was this, um, I call it an awakening, but the spiritual growth phase that was ignited. And um, it was like being in a cocoon because we were all trapped in our houses, sheltered. I didn't watch the news because it was stressful to me. I didn't hardly talk to anyone except for, you know, an occasional zoom call and telephone call, but really there was just a lot of time to be fully present. Um, went on a lot of walks and spent a lot of time in nature and just had time to think and listen. And that's when, um, this awakening began for me. What did that look like? 
I mean, because I think that I think in order to have the way I've seen it and the way I've seen it play out in other people, which is what's so great about doing this podcast, is that you do the work, you get quiet, you listen, and then it hits you. The spiritual stuff starts to hit. Some people it hits like a, a ton of lead. Some it's a it's a slow, gradual process. What did it look like for you? For anybody that's wondering, what is that spiritual part of all this? What does that look like? And is this happening to me? You know? Exactly. And I know I'm not alone because I think it did happen to me. Oh, no, you're not. During the pandemic, um, it gave us all, all, all an opportunity to slow down. But it was like for the first time. I, you know, I was very spiritual growing up and I had this um, earlier awakening experience in my late teens, but it was the first time in over 15 years where I felt who I was and I felt this connection with something greater than myself. And I started to understand that there was very purposeful guidance throughout my life that led me to Costa Rica that led me to this new job that led me to this encounter, all the things that happened in my past that led to here. And I was just becoming aware of uh, where I was at in my life and why it had all happened that way, but also internally feeling myself and who I was and feeling this connection to something greater. So it's, it is hard to put into words. It's this, uh, unless you've experienced it, um, you, you, it's difficult to describe to someone who hasn't, but I know there are people out there who have, have had this very same experience. Yeah. It was described to me that, um, just, just in case someone's listening and wants a little more that it's, it's as if you could just unzip this, this, this suit we're wearing, the woman's suit, unzip it. And then what's left is the essence of you. And the essence of you is what's feeling connected. And that's where you, you feel and make decisions from and, and eternal, your, your eternal fire, your, your energy, what you, what you attract and all that, all that stuff. It's when you unzip it. And if you can, if somehow you're, you're going deeper than this outer layer of skin and hair and nails and makeup and tissue and bones and all that. And you're going right to the heart of you. And that I feel like I'm kind of almost there, but you you're there wouldn't you say. Yeah. And it is. We, we, we live in two worlds. We have the human world, which you're describing where you have ego the, world, right? That's what they call the ego world. You have to work. You have to take care of your family. You have to do the day-to-day stuff, but then there's the spiritual world where it's this, it's not visible. It's this um, internal experience and force that moves within us. And so, yeah, that, that was very powerful to me. And it was like, you know, you just feel that you can understand and be aware to a level that you never have been before. And, um, things made sense to me. And I think when I would, you know, pray or speak to the universe that I was getting responses that I, I hadn't before, because I just, I don't think I was listening. 
And there were responses that came to you in the form of? Just if, you know, if I answered prayers, if I prayed for something, it would come to me. Um, There was something that I had envisioned. I was, you know, scripting out something that I wanted to do within our, our um, ministry or, or nonprofit that it would unfold in the way I had scripted it and imagined. Um, I, I worked really hard to repair relationships as well. And I think um, that that part of that was, you know, guided by the transformation that was happening with me. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. And that three months of being cocooned is what really allowed me to blossom because I, I kind of saw myself in this cocoon transforming and growing. And then um, when the pandemic was settled down, I emerged with wings and I felt that way. I really felt that way. And so it was a new beginning for me. Okay. So you, and we're, we're kind of on the tail end of the pandemic. We're in now September of 2021. And so you, you come out emerged, awakened, take us through where we are now with you. So in my book ends um, with the divorce. So what happened after the pandemic is that, and I think this happens in a lot of marriages, but I was growing quickly and I was going through this spiritual and personal growth phase where I was changing and my partner wasn't coming with me. My partner was kind of stuck where he was. And um, as much as I, I wanted to help him or have him come along with me that it wasn't happening that way. And ultimately that was, you know, where he was at. And that was the reality of, of his situation. And maybe he had his own path that he was on, but our paths were diverging and it just, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't coming together as much as we tried to make it work. We wanted so badly to keep our family together, to provide a stable home for our kids. We didn't want them to have to go through the the grief and trauma of divorce, but it just wasn't working. And I got to a point where I had to decide between myself and my happiness um, that either I was going to stay in this marriage and continue to feel like it was mediocre, that we were stuck in these negative cycles that weren't getting better. And I was just going to continue to feel that um, ickiness or that um, sense of something missing, or I would do the scary thing and I would leave my marriage and choose myself. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had been with this person my whole life over half life. And I was scared for my kids. And, but I had this, moment where I felt this nudge. We were driving to my sister's lake cabin and I have never felt it in my life, but there was this very strong nudge inside me that said, uh, you have to let him go. And it was, it was, I think my inner voice telling me this is as much as you want it to work. It's, it's not going to work. And so that was the, that was the really hard decision and it was very painful. Um, but that's, that's ultimately, I think this encounter 
caused me to dive so deep into myself and unravel all these things that I was growing and he wasn't. And we decided it was, it was best for both of us to, to part. And so the divorce happened, um, just a few months after that, the pandemic started. Wow. Okay. And then you decided to write a book. (laughs) Yeah. And again, that was a nudge. It was never in on my radar, never in my plans, but it was, I was sitting at my desk at work. I think I was journaling because I made it a practice to journal every morning, my first hour of the day. This message came through me that you have to tell this story and you have to tell it right now. And there was urgency about it that I knew there was no choice in it. I'm doing this. I'm writing this book and I don't know what's going to happen with it or whose hands it's going to land in but I'm doing it. And I started writing that fall right after we got divorced and um, the writing, it just came. It it was just flowing, coming from me. I just wrote it all down. Um, And then I've just been in the process of, of editing and revising and and getting it ready to be published. But it, it's, it was definitely, um, a calling, if you will, to, to write this book. Well, and it's getting published now, right? It is. It is. It's happening. So you did that in what a year? Yeah. And I, I think I could have done it in less time, but I was going through a divorce. I was displaced from my home and I was working full time and trying to take care of my kids. And my daughter had some um, health issues. And so I, yeah, I think the timing is just, it it worked out. It's been about a year, but I'm feeling that this is the moment where it's meant to be put out into the world to be shared with whoever needs to hear it. I'm excited to read the book. I know. I mean, I take lots of notes. April has lots of notes and, and, and in the purposes of respecting everyone's time, we didn't even get into I mean, we just scratched the surface. The book is going to be amazing. I can't wait for it to be out. And we're going to try to time this episode with when it's out so that everyone can who's listening can just go get it right away, including myself. So let me ask you this, because you've learned so much. You've, you've gotten in touch with that spiritual side. Been through a lot too. What keeps you going every day? I think, I, I guess... I I have practices that keep me going and keep me strong and healthy, um, but that my purpose in life is to spread love and light to others who need it because I went through difficult situations that probably others have been through. And if my story or my experience can be used to help them, escape the sticky mud and get onto level ground, then that's the the biggest calling we, any of us can have. And so I think it's, that's what keeps me going is to help other people who maybe have been through these types of challenges, a divorce or childhood wounds or a family member with mental illness or, um, you know, other, other life, life circumstances that have been challenging, but I work really hard every day. Um, The five practices that help me the most are breath work, meditation, 
being in nature, journaling, and movement. And every day I try to incorporate those five things. And that has helped keep me steady and moving forward. Ah, that is amazing. Yeah, it's it's sort of like you have to have these habits that allow that that even ground mm-hmm. to stay footed on so that you can then go off and do what you need to do and then come back to that. And sounds like that's what you do. Then I have one more question for you. If you had a saying or a mantra that you use regularly, what would that be? I say different things at different times, but general theme is I am always loved and supported. Things are always working out for me. And I I try to always remember that because every day, if I stop to note the blessings in my life or the little miracles that have unfolded, there is always something, always someone shows up at the right time with an answer I need, or a friend calls to support me, or I meet this amazing person and we have this great connection and it just fills me with joy, or I'm able to help somebody that makes me feel really good there. Every day there are blessings, little miracles. And I try to focus on those things to know that we're always loved and supported and things are always working out for us. That is fantastic. That is so true too, especially when you when you are nervous or scared like you were to like, what would divorce look like? I have to do this. I'm scared. I don't want to do this because of that. And then you go ahead, you step out, you do it anyway. You follow your gut, you follow your intuition and then more doors open up. And I've been, I've kind of found with myself that when things start to kind of like, I, when I fall into this hole, if I, if I just look up, and just get some some solid footing. Really cool things happen, as you said. People come into your life. Um, that phone call you needed happens. The the whatever it is just shows up when you lead without fear. Mm-hmm. Just allow, right? Uh, yeah, it's it keeps us stuck, and it's a, a, something we've all been battling with this pandemic and the uncertainty of it. And there's there's a lot of fearful mindset right now. And I think it's, it's a practice an intentional practice to every day, remind yourself you're loved and supported to ground yourself in those things that keep you centered and make you feel at peace, going for a walk, taking care of yourself, taking a bath, treating yourself, anything you can do to keep yourself from getting into that fear mindset, getting into worry it's essential. And, um, I think that's our duty to ourselves is to just really take care of ourselves right now. Yes, 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 yes. Preach girl like it. So how can people get in touch with you, April? Right now I am, I just have my two personal platforms, but those will be developed into some sort of a, a business platform or mentoring platform in the next few months, but you can find me on Facebook at April Ross 605 or on Instagram, April Ross 605. And uh, my Instagram's based on mind, body, spirit practices. It's feel good inspo for your mind, body, and spirit. And my um, Facebook, I'm trying to line up with that as well, but 
Um, if you are looking to develop a deeper connection to yourself, go there and check it out. So much appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful to have met you and had you been be on Second Wind, the podcast. And we had tried this earlier and it just wasn't flowing for some reason. And you said, let's do it again. And this was so good. This was, this was great. And I, and I think it hit all the high points of what we needed to get out today to the Second Wind audience. And I thank you so much for being part of it, April. Thank you. I think your show is amazing. And there are so many women and men who have had these pivotal moments and to just feel supported in hearing other people's stories and validated that I'm not alone in this. Other people have gone through this is so affirming and comforting. And especially right now, I think the more we can share these stories, the, the better off we all are. Absolutely. So thank you again, sweet lady. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.